I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and dive deep into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because everything starts with you. Hello, Melanie Hirshhorn. I'm so happy to have you on my couch on the Brand Therapist podcast. Now, we've known each other for a while now, and I know that you are doing some exciting, amazing things. So before we get to the conversation piece, I'm going to go ahead and read your bio. Melanie Hirshhorn wants to make your book and brand sparkle online. As a content marketing strategist for coaches, consultants, and speakers worldwide, she's on a mission to support and empower her clients to create clear messaging and content that shines a light on their individuality, skill set, and books. With her unique combination of entrepreneurship, award-winning journalism, and PR experience, Melanie guides her clients to attract and nurture leads, and position themselves as industry experts. She also loves to provide book marketing tips and interview authors on her show, Authority Marketing Live. So tell me a little bit about your business, what you do, what you love about it. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me on. It is so nice to see your beautiful face. And the thing that lights me up is talking about my clients. That's really what lights me up. It's because I've realized that I can help authors tell stories and get their message out once they have that book and they don't know what to do with it. That's amazing because you're right. Like all these people write their books and they're like, what am I? I mean, I have a couple of books here. Like, what am I supposed to do with these books now that I wrote them? Right. And so I get to answer the question when people are like, well, I don't know what to do now. And I can help them. And there's nothing greater than being able to help somebody. So often, you know, things happen and you feel helpless. Well, I can't fix this situation. I can't fix this problem. And so I can help. <laughs> I can fix it. <laughs> and, You're yeah, I'm, I'm a fixer. You just have to be patient, right? Because as you know, I mean, you are the brand expert here, branding expert. Nothing happens overnight. You can change your messaging, but it takes a while for it to really catch on. And so people are like, I'm a best-selling author. Why am I not selling books, right? And so sometimes it's because you didn't tell anybody. And other times it's because your messaging is confusing. So I come in and I help support with those problems and more. And then we get people dancing all the way to the stage and to speak on about their book and stuff like that. I love that. Now, I know you had a social media marketing agency and how does that connect to what you're doing now? I wasn't totally doing social media marketing. It wasn't totally that. It was more like copywriting. I was doing the writing. I wasn't really implementing it, but it kind of was a natural progression because I was writing all this stuff, but where was I getting the ideas from? I was still doing strategy. Right. But 
being able to really niche down and, and work with, I like to say, subject matter experts. So people who know what they're talking about and they wrote a book about it. What I did before helps me with what I do now because I know how to say the things. Because a lot of what we write in marketing is really psychology-based. Yes. So, and you have that amazing quiz where people can really find out what their brand archetype is. And, you know, it's that kind of thing where you're really talking to the person in their language. I love that. You're so right. You know, I was on vacation traveling a few different countries and it's so interesting that language isn't just about, you know, the literal language, whether it's German or Spanish or French, but our language has much more. And yesterday I was teaching a class. I teach a summer class at the university. And it was so interesting because I said, you know, what I'm teaching you is not just about creating ideas or being creative. It's really about sharing the knowledge. You share it in a group and now everybody's on the same page, right? It's a, now you have a shared language, right? And that's what it's about. It's about what is it that you're trying to communicate and how is that language being interpreted? Right. And the thing about people, you know, I'm guilty of this too, is there's a lot of noise coming at me and I'm not necessarily completely paying attention to what I'm doing in front of me. If I'm scrolling Instagram, for example, if what you post is confusing, 10 times out of 10, I'm not going to stop to try to figure it out. I'm not going to give you that time of day to go, what did that person mean? Like what? No, <laughs> just right. like move on to the next, scroll up. So simplify, right? Simplify. We were talking about that yesterday too, about how we were in this amazing, fantastic room that was very innovative, but we didn't even know how to turn the lights on. It was like, Hey people, like if you're going to put somebody in such an innovative room, make it simple. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like all this technology, beautiful, great, but you don't even know how to turn on the lights in the, in the, in the room. That's a problem. <laughs> it is. And that is such a good analogy for people and their marketing, because it, you can have in, invented the greatest thing in the world, but if you don't explain it in a really simple way, nobody's going to buy it. Nope. They're not going to know about it and they're not going to stick around to figure it out either. Exactly. So. This show would not be called Brown Therapy unless we really dig down into some therapeutic elements and we always go back to childhood for that, right? So tell me a story about your childhood that kind of got you where you are today. It doesn't have to be a good story, right? It can be a sad sob story either, but I've done a lot of work on this, like therapy work spiritual journey work, imposter syndrome work, all the things. Pretty much everything comes down to this. When I was in sixth grade, I was bullied. And I had been friends with the quote unquote popular kids for, I don't know, I think I had a whole month where I was accepted. And then turn around and I got rejected. And I actually did something that is still my almost 98 year old grandma still is like fists in the air that this happened. 
My little sister got the flu. I took the thermometer that she had just used and I put it in my mouth so that I would get sick too and not have to go to school. Wow. Thankfully, I got a very minor flu and I got to stay home for, I, you know, I just kept biding my time, biding my time till I could get out of that situation and get out of that school and move somewhere else and start anew. So why am I telling you this story <laughs> for a lot of people to be going, oh God, that's awful. Uh, no, because what it's come down to is I always felt like I will never be popular. and. Popular in my world as a 43-year-old doesn't mean like, you know, I'm walking down the high school hallway and all the cool kids are like, oh, look at her. No, 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 not like that. But to develop a community online. And I thought, I can't do it. Hmm. I'm never going to be able to be popular. I'm never going to be able to develop a community of people that care about what I'm offering. Interesting. And I hope we didn't go too deep with this. <laughs> we we want to get deep. No, we want to. But I have. I have a beautiful community of people. And I have wonderful clients and wonderful people that I'm connected to, like you, who don't see me as that 11 year old who got, you know, got, gave herself the flu so she wouldn't have to deal with the bullying. But you see me as somebody who has something beneficial to offer. Yeah. Wow. It's so interesting how our childhood forms a certain perception. And then we start limiting ourselves to incredible things that we can actually achieve. And I know there's a lot of work to be done when those things happen. And I love it that you've done your work to really get to where you are. You know, and somebody asked me today, what are the things that that limited you? And for me, it was not believing in myself. And I think that's kind of what we do unconsciously at times is that we don't believe that we can do something or we don't believe not in what our skills are, because obviously our skills got us to where we are, but we just don't believe in ourselves. Right. It's like that can't happen for me. Yes, exactly. It can happen for somebody else, but not necessarily for me. So tell me about your brand, about Melanie's brand. What is your personal brand about? Okay. My personal brand, it's number one and two are honesty and integrity. I am all about being honest and standing in that and always providing people with all the information that they could possibly want. Sometimes I fire hose people. I don't mean to do that. (laughs) But, and then the other part of that is sparkly. I'm a very sparkly person. I like to wear sequins. I like to wear ball gowns. I like to have my hair and makeup done. I love to wear six inch heels if I am not going to fall over. So it's, it's sort of almost like a balance of masculine and feminine. Like I, I really love to like be on and sparkly, but at the same time, I'm very rooted in being honest, standing in integrity. If I say I'm going to do something, best believe it will be done and it will be done in a timely manner. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I was listening to to a book on my on my way to a business meeting, or actually, not a business meeting. I was actually getting my hair done. But uh, an important <laughs> business meeting. 
And what was interesting, uh, they were saying, you know, what I do for my clients is just, I'm just honest with them and I want them to trust me. And part of trusting and being honest is what you said is having that integrity and being real and giving them the really willies and not sugarcoating it. And I'm not really good at sugarcoating things. I'm not like somebody who's mean. I would, would never intentionally hurt someone's feelings, but I will say, you know, there's probably a better way that we can do this. It's going to get you a better result than what we've been doing thus far. Yeah. I love that. So now to my question where everybody kind of is like, what is tell me a moment where you knew you had become famous for what, what? you <laughs> <laughs> for what you do. All of us have a fame story and I want to hear your fame story. I have a couple of fame stories. Oh, great. Yeah. So I actually was famous with caveat in central Pennsylvania because I was on the radio. Uh in news the local npr affiliate so i was famous in quotation marks because people who listened to that station knew my name the moment where i really felt special was i was at um i was in gettysburg there's this painting called it's it's a 360 degree painting near the battlefield called the cyclorama painting and i was with my sister and her husband and I was very pregnant. And I said, can we just go see the painting? And they said, well, you have to sit through the, the movie and it's 45 minutes. And I said, well, I'm really pregnant. And I've reported on this so many times. So I already know about the movie. And she said, what do you mean? I said, I told her my name. She goes, oh my God, you're Melanie Hirshhorn. I said, yeah. She goes, okay, just go see the painting. But the, to, to really answer the question is that now people send me messages, people that I don't know. Mm. And they say, I heard you do book marketing. I know you do book marketing. I've seen your videos on book marketing. And that's saying that all the, you know, even though you start feeling like a broken record because you're repeating the same message over and over again, that's when you know it's working. Right. And there you go about talking about messaging and when people are listening and you're focused on one thing, I think what happens a lot of times, I mean, you can, is that we try to say too many things in one message and people get confused. Yep. That's exactly right. So you have to really dial it in. You really have to figure out what's that one thing I'm trying to do and how am I trying to do it? And just say it all the time. Over and over and over, over and over again until you're like, I can't believe I'm saying this again. I'm at the point where sometimes I'm talking on a podcast or, or in a summit, I'm talking and I'm thinking, I'm not even paying attention to what I'm saying anymore because I've said it so many times in the exact same way. So funny. I was telling this story, I think to my sister-in-law, And uh, she was like, wow, that's a weird story you're telling me. But basically it was, I was doing a TEDx talk. And I think because I practiced it so, so much, I was on the stage and I saw myself talking Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, I got to really get back in this body because I'm going to mess it up. Right. And I was talking to myself in 
the stage when I'm talking to people, I mean, it was the weirdest experience I've ever had. Mm-hmm. But I that's think exactly what I'm talking about. That, that's what happens when we when we get into this mode of repeating ourselves. It's like you've embodied it. Yes. So you did. You literally you embodied it to the point where you went and took a, a coffee break. Looking at <laughs> exactly. It was scary. I was like, I can't mess this up. And I didn't, but I was freaking out when I was like, I had this out-of-body experience in the middle of a TEDx talk. And that's where I felt a little bit more confident in what I was doing. Cause I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. This is going well. Yeah. Right? need to yeah. finish it and I got to need to get back in my body and finish this. <laughs> so that's actually a success story right there. Not yeah. a scary story, but a success yeah. story. It is. Well, I'm going to use that one. And, and but my sister-in-law just looked at me like, wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> so, and, but now that you say that it makes so much sense. Like you repeat yourself so many times you can kind of multitask, I guess, uh, at the same time while you're just telling the story. I love that. And that's what I think that's what marketing is all about. You know, I think people are afraid of repeating themselves so many times. Oh my goodness. They're afraid of repeating themselves once. I mean, I have to tell authors, yes, you posted about your book, but you have to do it like all the time. One time is not going to do what you need it to do. Right. One time is not going to just magically get you a million buyers. It's true. I mean, talking about scarier things, what are you most afraid of? Sharks. Why? I don't know. Interesting. So you don't, do you go on vacations to the, (laughs) I don't have anything to do with them. Most recently I was in, I was in an aquarium in Toronto and they were swimming over my head. They just freak me out. I don't know why. But was that actually your question? Like, was it work-related? What am I most afraid of? Well, or is it anything mean, in the world? I think, it, sure. I, <laughs> I think if we think about how does that relate back to work? If I asked you the question of work, what would you say? You're great. Okay. No, I know. I was just, I was being silly. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't work in the water, so I'm okay there. But <laughs> What am I most afraid of? Sometimes I fear that somebody's going to ask me a question and I don't know the answer. I always like to have the answer. I also know exactly what to say if I don't know the answer. <laughs> that, and you say, I'm not sure, but I will get back to you on that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, sometimes I remember um, when I was in corporate, sometimes I would make up the answer and I'm like, this is not going to work. It's not going to work. You just got to say, you don't know, and you will figure it out later. And, yeah. and that's actually so much better. I think I felt that fear before that I'm going to be looked at as the person who doesn't know if I ask a question or they ask me a question and I don't know the answer. And then it always goes back to like, oh, this person's paying me money and I don't know the answer. <laughs> but I mean, the truth is everything, to quote Marie Forleo, everything is figure outable. I love that. It is. Everything is possible. So uh, I was telling my students yesterday, I was telling them like, if you say it's impossible, it will be impossible. But if you think there's a possibility, even if it's small, there will be a possibility of something happening. And they were all looking at me like, she's weird. (laughs) 
I love that. But let me go on to the next question. Tell me something that held you back from something that you really wanted or something that you thought was holding you back for some reason or another. Okay. I think the answer to the question is, I'm going to have to sort of say it backwards. What has always felt like it was holding me back is being a woman. And I love, and I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you how I've gotten around it. Because as a woman, not only do we not make as much money as men, we are also the child bearers. And I am in what you would call a stereotypical relationship where my husband is the breadwinner, so to speak, and I'm at home raising the children. And that's not good for me. That's just not good for who this person is. This person would rather be the breadwinner. Not that I don't love my children and love being there with them and raising them and all that stuff, but it's not the fulfillment that I like thrive on is that for my business. That's what really helps me thrive. So I've had to work through all the feelings and all the things. And I have come to a really great, balance where I get to have a business that is doing great and be totally happy to be a mom. I love that. And that takes a lot of courage and self-reflection because we maybe complain or why does my husband keep doing this and doesn't really acknowledge me or care that I actually have a business here, you know, and I think it's not really them. It's us that we have let that happen. There are so many factors that are involved. I mean, it's definitely like societal pressures. And then if you think about now how we're in this great recession, the female recession, because women are leaving the workforce and I think what we're in right now is is unprecedented, but it's also a little bit scary because not everybody can be an online coach and <laughs> succeed. <laughs> exactly. But that said, I am so proud to be a woman. I wouldn't want to be a man. You know, I'm glad that I was able to figure out both of those elements because my role models in my life have been my grandma, who I already mentioned because she's the best ever. And my father and my dad, like he's a workaholic. He's 74 and a half-ish and he is still working seven days a week as a surgeon. So, you know, I'll call him. I'll be like, hi, dad, how was your day? He'll be like, oh, I just did a 12-hour surgery. I'm like, cool. So that's one role model. And then there's my grandma who was a stay-at-home mom. And even though she went to college and she took one course a year and graduated when my mom, her first child graduated from college. So my mom and my grandma graduated from college the same time. No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I love those. Actually, my my, uh, next question was going to be, who's your role model? And you already answered it for me. Sorry. So I'm, I'm answering, I'm answering the question. Sorry. So these two have been my role models. My father's very work, work, work. The harder you work, the more money you make. That's not right. I've learned this. And my grandma is 
family is the most important thing in the entire world. Without your family, there's nothing. So put them together. And those are my role models. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. And that makes total sense for where you are and what you're doing. So tell me, tell me a time where you felt like, and I think it's in the same vein of where you're speaking at, where you felt something was impossible, but you were able to make it possible for yourself. I mean, I'm going to say that I thought it was impossible to make money. Mm. That if I was the business owner, I did not think that I could, I could make money. I had a business before this. My former business was breastfeeding clothing. I designed and manufactured breastfeeding clothing. And even though on paper, it made a lot of money, I took home zero dollars. And I made the mistake of hiring a social media person who became very toxic and she was very manipulative. And I paid her a lot of money. And by the end of the year working together, I didn't have anything to show for it except like full on imposter syndrome and feeling like I couldn't do anything and I had to shut the business. Wow. It was not good. It was not, it was not good. (laughs) And to this day, I still have a little bit of PTSD. Like if, if somebody comes on very strong or in a threatening way, I shut down and I start to panic because it was very much like that. And so go ahead. When I started this business, VIP digital content, I wasn't working with authors yet. You and I met then I was doing writing for people. I didn't know really, I knew I wanted to do marketing, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I, all I really knew is that I wanted to support people so that they never felt as bad as I did with that marketing person that I would always let them know, no, you can do this. And I'm going to show you how. So I didn't know that that could make money, but it does. Wow, that's beautiful. For those of us that become entrepreneurs, I think it's not, you know, I worked in a big corporation before I did this and it's not the same. I mean, it's completely different and not anybody can do this. It's for people who just thrive on it. And it's the perseverance and the, you know, I was also throwing spaghetti at the wall at the beginning of my online experience because I kind of knew what I wanted to do and I knew I could help people. But again, like I was, maybe they listened to this, but I wasn't sticking with it. And even though that's what I also teach is like, be consistent, be consistent. I wasn't consistent with my message. And that's why I was all over the place and I wasn't attracting people and the people who I was attracting weren't the right people. Right. And so you learn over time. And when you start becoming a little bit more successful, it's like, wow, that's all I wanted was this. And now I need to get to the next level of this. You know, we're always growing and we're always persevering and we're always kind of, I don't know. It's just like, it's like you were born with it. Yeah, I really think so. I think that there are some people who just are born with that entrepreneurial spirit. And I think we all have to be optimistic. I think we have to like deep down be optimists because this is not for the faint of heart. I mean, I adore my husband to pieces, but he likes to call himself a realist to which I say, no, you're just a pessimist. But if you are not an optimist, then being an entrepreneur is 
it's going to be an even tougher road because you have to be able to believe in yourself and your mission and unwavering belief. Yes, it's true. It's not like a little bit. It's like a lot, Mm -hmm. a lot. So tell me your lessons learned. (laughs) How much time you got? (laughs) Okay, so here's a good one. About four years ago, I was at an event and I was talking to this lady and I said, so what do you do? And she said, well, some people help with the entrepreneurs, you know, the business, some people help with their emotional state and I help with their spiritual state. And I said, oh, that's nice. And then I turned around and, you know, started laughing to myself, like, what kind of nonsense is that? Please, (laughs) spiritual part of the entrepreneur, that's bananas. Anyway, here I am four years later on a spiritual journey of my own. And there really is a lot to be said for this kind of thing. There really, really is. So I would say don't poo-poo things that seem really strange and outside of your comfort zone because they might in the end be exactly what you needed to help you get to the next level. Exactly. Be open to anything and everything. It's so true. You know, at times... You know, I've gotten it too, where people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, okay, this is not the right person, right? And, and the other thing is also to, again, this comes back to believing in ourselves, right? If somebody poo-poos on our idea, then we've got to keep going on it. And like you said, a, an internal optimist and knowing that it's okay if one person didn't like it, that doesn't mean that you're not on the right path. And I think sometimes I put things out there and I'm always, I had this thing actually on LinkedIn where I wouldn't post on LinkedIn because all my past people were people, right, right. You know, important because you have this identity that you can't shake. And all of a sudden I was like, what am I doing? Like, and my friends would tell me, aren't you posting like too many personal things on LinkedIn? And it was so interesting how you have to, you know, and at the beginning I was like, oh my God, take all the posts off LinkedIn. Then I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is part of who I am and I can't shake it. I'm glad you didn't shake it because that is who you are. And when I work with clients, half the time I'm trying to help them bring the humanity back into LinkedIn because people want to write in the third person and forget that they're even talking to a human. That is so so hilarious. I was telling my students yesterday, I don't know why I keep back to my students, that we design for people. We don't design for dogs. We design for the owners of the dog. Like we are here to be designing for human beings. We do things for human beings. We sell things to human beings. And it's so interesting. Sometimes we just, we're like, okay, we're just selling this and we're not going to talk to these people. It's like, you need to know everything about that human being because they're a human being, but it's interesting. So tell me, Melanie, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years from now? So I will still be doing this because this is what I've been meant to do. 100%. I will still be helping authors get their message out, but I'll probably be doing it on a grander scale. I would love to be able to hold a summit or go and speak on stages and actually travel and not have to have 17 babysitters to back up (laughs) because my kids are still too young to stay alone. (laughs) But in 10 years, 
one of them will actually both of them will be in college in 10 years. So, wow, only the dog will need babysitting because you're going to live a very long time. Yes, you are. Um, (laughs) So I will have more freedom to be out more and I won't be behind this rectangle as much. Well, in everything you've done, you know, being on radio and talking and having a show, I mean, that's already, I know we talk about the screen, but it's like a TV screen, right? We're communicating, we're talking to people, we're showing them who we are. So tell me, if people want to connect with you, how do they find you? Where do they go? I know you have this incredible offer about tips and tricks about books and how to get your book out there. So tell me, where can they find you and where are you at in all this? Okay. Where am I at? I am here. I am online pretty much everywhere. And if you are thinking about writing a book or you've written a book, I have the ultimate book marketing checklist. So you can grab a copy of that for free. It is vipdigital.live slash checklist. And you can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm there a lot. My company's VIP Digital Content. Oh, I love it. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being on my couch and being so transparent and in integrity. I love that you talk about it, but you are really, you don't just talk, you do. You act. And so I so appreciate you. You've been amazing. I always see you everywhere. And I'm always like, I had to reach out back to Melanie so we can, we can talk a little bit. So I so appreciate you. Thank you for being on the brand therapist show. And I hope to have you back soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you'd like to connect with me on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding, Bespoke Branding Agency, or email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening.